Welcome into Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack, and so glad you're with us. Coming up in March, MU Extension will be putting on some workshops for people interested in grafting fruit trees. You'll actually do the grafting at this workshop and take home a little tree. Next time you see a neon sign in Missouri, there is a good chance one man from Columbia has either worked on that sign or even created it. We'll talk to the owner of Creative Neon. He's been doing it for a long time. Governor Mike Parson has proposed a nearly $53 billion state operating budget. We'll hear from the Missouri Department of Mental Health and some of their needs and highlights. We're also a couple of weeks removed from Elon Musk announcing the first success, well, he says successful, Neuralink implant being placed in a human. What is that? How does it work? Our neuroscience expert at WashU is Keith Hengen. He joins Show Me Today to explain what this technology does and how he believes it will progress going forward. I didn't pay much attention to it. I think it might be a stretch to say it's an eye roll, but the progress in this sphere is maybe a lot more incremental than Elon Musk's tweet would let you understand. Does that make sense? Like, I mean, people, a lot of people have been working on these problems for a very long time. Um, in 2009, when I was at grad school in Wisconsin, there was a researcher there, Justin Williams, and he tweeted. So he did something to Twitter just using his mind. Um, and this was actually a totally non-invasive technology. They were just using scalp electrodes. So the ability to kind of control a machine or a computer with brain activity has been around for quite a while. And the implanted devices that Elon Musk's company is, we'll say refining, because I think develop, developing doesn't give credit where it's due. The technology that they're refining, which is much more invasive, something you'd actually implant into the brain of somebody with ALS or a quadriplegic patient, um, that technology has also been around for a while. And they're certainly making it well, and it's an improvement over the status quo. But it didn't, you know, I didn't kind of spit my coffee out and, uh, and start running around the neighborhood yelling, if, that, if that's what you're asking. And if you've missed any point of this conversation, no worries. Just search Show Me Today wherever you get your podcasts. We're speaking with Keith Hengen. He's an assistant professor of neuroscience in the Department of Biology at Washington University in St. Louis. And the topic of today's conversation, the Neuralink. An implantable device to your brain with the hopes of achieving a successful connection to brains with computers. And the first human trial was just accomplished. I'm glad that you bring that up, redefining this kind of technology, I think, is a very good way to summarize this so far. And I, I was going to actually mention that to you, and you dovetailed into it before we even got to ask it, but feel free to comment on it again. I was about to say I've seen stuff like this happen, whether it is someone that has to deal with some sort of quadriplegic incapabilities or either ALS or anything that someone might be battling. I have seen video game systems where it is basically all over the scalp and you can control video games. I've seen stuff like that for a while. So I guess, can you kind of give a difference? Yes, this is internal, but what is redefined about it in your opinion? Okay, well, let's just quickly, let's just quickly lay some things out here. So, so basically what any of these technologies are trying to do is use a machine learning algorithm to associate some set of signals with what a person's trying to do. So you might train these things by saying, to a quadriplegic patient, please imagine lifting your right arm up and pointing to the clock. If you do that a bunch of times, you hope that the computer can say, ah, every time we see a little blip right there, it means the person's trying to lift their right arm that way, right? So you could say, you know, imagine moving the mouse cursor to this point on the screen and that point on the screen and that point on the screen. 
And so you're just trying to reliably extract those signals from a lot of waves, a lot of brain waves. And you can do this either on the surface of the scalp, so you don't have to, there's nothing invasive about that, or you can get a higher resolution by implanting the electrodes into somebody's actual brain. And the hope is that when you have electrodes that are actually in nestled next to neurons, which again is extremely invasive, this is not something you would ever want to have done frivolously, right? This is like, you know, you have no control over your body, and so this is this is kind of a last resort option. But the hope is that by by being able to resolve individual neurons, you might get maybe more nuanced control over that mouse cursor or the robotic arm. So you mentioned in your first reaction that yeah. this wasn't a spit out of coffee moment, but this is technology that is redefining or at least further defining the capabilities of this kind right. of technology. So how exactly is it different? Okay, okay, great. So so yeah, so we just laid out sort of what the goal of this is, is to sort of decode these signals. And so basically the 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 hope is that the the more the more places that you can listen, so the more neurons that you can pick up, you might get a higher fidelity signal or a more stable signal or a higher resolution signal. And so rather than having, say, 128 scalp electrodes, um, Neuralink and and again, other companies that are in this space are putting in, I think that the number is usually 1024. So so about a thousand tiny electrodes, they call them microelectrode arrays, into different parts of the, the cortex, the kind of outer layer of the brain that controls a lot of your um, you know, conscious cognition and, and behavior. And so the advance is basically because of microelectronics, they can they can pack in more of those those recording channels into a smaller space. And then also, obviously, wireless technology has come a long way, the ability to charge inductively. But again, that's not an invention of any one of these companies. That comes from, um, it's probably, you know, probably honestly driven by toothbrush manufacturers and cell phone companies. Um, and so they're sort of porting that technology over into this means that in contrast to Justin Williams' work that I mentioned from 2009, these people don't have to have a physical cable connecting them to the computer. It can all be transmitted wirelessly. And so that's a, that's a that's a step, but but again, it's not a a, a kind of a binary thing like oh it, you know nobody had any wireless technology yesterday and and you know snap of the fingers now we do, it's just it's being done well and it's moving forward in many companies, but this one's getting a lot of attention for you know obvious sort of uh, theatrical and celebrity reasons. Yeah, I was about to say, because of because of Musk reasons. <laughs> right, right, and that's you know I, I I struggle with that and. A lot of the things that Elon Musk says, kind of implying his goals with Neuralink, are are totally not feasible. And it's it it, it it's you could put a million electrodes in the brain, and we're not going to be uploading information into people's heads. You're not going to be, you know, sending telepathic messages to your relatives through a computer without moving your body. Um, so even though there's that degree of kind of science fiction that captures the 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 public's imagination. At the same time, he's also investing a lot of money in neuroscience and in technology development that will help people. And what they build is certainly beautiful. It's very well done. It's technologically sound. And he's bringing in some of the best and brightest people to work on these things. But I think that the application is a much, much narrower section of society, you know, quadriplegic people, ALS patients, than he might have you believe otherwise, which is everybody's going to have a neural implant in 10 years. Some of the other conversation around this to your point about who could have this in 10 years, you know, we're not talking about everyone having this in 10 years, but there has been studies about people with severe eyesight deficiency, severe deafness, 
and the yeah. fact that this, this might be able to help that. And also another group that we haven't been able to mention yet, you know, maybe people who have suffered from some sort of amputeeism that maybe someday once that kind of technology can, I guess, progress, that maybe they can link up. Is that accurate? Is that something we might see maybe in 10, 15, 20 years? I think you you might see that in a few years. I think that you are spot on with sort of expanding the application of this broad class of brain computer interface. So the ability to read out somebody, oh man, I wish I could remember the author's names. Um, last year, somebody took a, a, a spinal cord that was cut and actually built an electronic bridge across that, and they were able to sort of achieve you know, lower body movement based on computer decoding of the spinal cord that was intact. And so I think that these things, broadly speaking, are, are moving along at a very quick pace. There's um, a lot of government investment in the research. There's obviously private sector um, investment in the research, and there's a lot of social good to be gained by doing these things. And so whether or not Neuralink is contributing to driving that forward is up for debate, but they are they are amidst the the sort of fray of people, of researchers and companies who are working on those problems. Okay, so I guess really kind of a way to wrap this up to to kind of keep keep a period and a chapter in, in things like that. To you personally, we talked about technology we might see within the next even few years, as you had mentioned. What's going to be the next big thing that you look out for that does, let's say, per se, make you spit your coffee out instead of the eye roll that <laughs> this news kind of was that Elon blew it up to be. What do you see as the thing that might surprise you? Sure, I can answer that two ways. So the thing that would make me spit out my coffee is if someone were actually able to meaningfully upload information into a, a, a biological brain. And, and what I mean by that is not some model, not some AI architecture, but to to take a, a, a squishy, wet, even if it's just a mouse brain, and, and somehow have a computer transmit complex information to that. That would make me spit out my coffee. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I, I'd be blown away. But the thing that I would hope to see the most in the next 10 years is meaningful progress on Alzheimer's disease. I think that there's a, there's, there's a lot of hope in the research community on that front right now. And that's obviously totally different than brain-computer interfaces. But you know, broadly speaking, what's going to make me spit out my coffee, those, those are sort of the two answers I'd give you. Okay. Well, once again, this is friend of show Keith Hangen. He is an assistant professor of neuroscience in the Department of Biology at Washington University in St. Louis. We haven't just been specifically talking about the Neuralink, but we've been talking about how recent that the Neuralink has made news and basically breaking down what it does, what its potential is of doing, and what we're looking for next. Keith, thank you very much for your time here on Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. Anytime, and thank you so much for having me.